growing up, asking questions was not a thing for us, right? Ooh, yes. Like absolutely. me asking my mom, pero por no. qué? No, pre- like, mira, muchacha, uh, no pregunte. Yeah, exactly. Mira, no hable mucho, quédate sentada tranquilita. And I had to really undo that mentality because it's ingrained in us. Don't ask too many questions. Right. Quédate tranquilita, tranquila te, te ve más bonita, exactly. right? Like that that's the what they will say. No pregunte mucho. Eh, hey, no pregunte tanto. And I, I, I didn't ask questions. And like, as I was evolving in my career, I wasn't asking questions. So I was like doing double the work behind the scenes, right. Googling, taking classes. And, and I'm not saying that that didn't prepare me for, for, for this moment. But I, I worked three times as hard for something that I could have just been like, I have a question. I don't understand this. Right. Can you right. break it down to me? Because the people that I'm going to serve are also not going to understand this. That's right. So if I don't understand it, how am I equipped to serve accordingly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my why is to serve accordingly and to serve the communities that watched me grow. Mm-hmm. And so if I am unable to do that through my work, then I'm not fulfilling my why. Even back in high school, Jennifer inspired more than. What's going on? What's not going on? (laughs) I'm so happy that we made this happen. We've been going back and forth for like... A year. A year? No way. Yes. A year? It's been. It's been a year. Really? Yes. Oh my God. But we're here. But we're here. Eso lo que cuenta. Do you remember when I first met you? Oh, Oh my God. No way. So it was... Okay, remind me. Okay. uh, Remy dinner? Yes. Rose is that part? Rose... You telling people my my spot, <laughs> <laughs> but that's when we that's what. Yes. So here's here's the tea. Okay, here's the tea. So my producer was like, "You gotta meet the deputy, right?" And I've <laughs> always been the type of person like afraid to have political conversations. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, just because I always feel like politics and religion are two things that I'm like. Mm. And money. Those is, are my three things. We'll get into it, which is why I got into politics. Yeah. Because I felt exactly how yeah. you feel about politics. So in all honesty, I was actually afraid to interview you. No way. Because I'm like, well, what am I going to ask her? I don't want to sound crazy. Like, Mm-mm. I'm not well versed in no. that. And then she's like, no, you have to meet her. And then all of a sudden, I get invited to dinner and I see you. And I'm like, I have to so thank you so much. Absolutely. I remember coming. that night. It's all coming back. Yeah. Your hair was different. It was curly. But that's was just, it curly? That's who we are. We yeah. we're multiple uh personalities in, in one. Yeah. So I think that's 
That's why I don't recall, but I remember your hair being different. I remember you. <laughs> Clearly, I remember you. I remember you were like in a little corner. Yes, yes. And um, you were just kind of just like hanging out. Mm -hmm, and I was mm -hmm. like, I did say hi to you. I was like, hey, but I was like so scared. So I was like, no. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy we made it happen and it all worked out. Nothing is a coincidence, everything is in pure alignment. So, yes. So are. thank you so much for thank coming for on the show. Me. So I was telling my producer, I said, you know, obviously we want to know, right, your role mm -hmm. as the deputy, mm -hmm. but I also want to get to know Janet as well. Yes. I feel like there's an A and B side to you, which I'm going to dive into. Mm -hmm. um, what the, the question I want to ask is, what do you remember from the sala? What are some of the music, the music you listen to? I was just going to say that. The novelas you watched. Lo CD de Mami. Yes. My mom's CD's collection was top notch. Really? La India, Olga oh. Tañón, Mili Quesada. You name it, she had it. And, you know, I just remember lo Domingo de... The the limpieza, mm -hmm. you know, Mistoling Sundays, yes, right? yes, yes, and just the her collection of of music that now I appreciate so much more than I did back then. I'm like, I, I walk on the city de la India, mm -hmm. but now it's just like la India, Lehman College. When yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God! I recently took my mom to um, Lehman College to see La India. La India concert last oh. May. I was there. Yes, I was there. She's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing, and I always say like she's one of those artists that um, she like you feel what she's going through. She's and there's consistent. not yeah there's not many artists that are like that, but you for some reason it. like you, you felt the heartbreak. You felt just you just felt every single emotion. Which and I, I think love. in life, um, because of my mom's CDs collect, CD collection, there is always a song for that moment, for that season. Yeah. And it was in La Sala that I was able to define um, or prepare for, for seasons, for the seasons that were lying ahead. So mm. that's what I remember. What is my, your, your song for the moment, like right uh, now? My song for the moment. There's so many. Right now, I'm very much into, into worship uh, music. Nice. So Maverick City, tribal music. Um, and for, for this season, uh, m one of my favorite songs is New Wine. Uh, mm. And in that song, uh, basically what the, what the choir is saying is asking God to make new wine out mm. of them in this season. And yeah. so for me... With everything, the challenges, not just on, on the political uh, side, but just personal challenges. Family, everyone has, regardless of your role mm -hmm. in, in society, ev there's always a personal challenge. And that season requires a new version from you or develops a new version of you. Mm -hmm. And so in this season, I am asking, as a woman of faith, God to bring new wine out of me. <sighs> <laughs> that was so beautiful. Thank you. That was yeah. so beautiful. What is the older version of you? What take me back to baby Janet? La Sala Janet. Yeah, La, La Sala, Sala Janet. Janet. Um oh my god, La Sala Janet was filled with um 
My father was very much into WWE and old westerns, TNT. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, yes. recall that. Yes, yes. The black box. That's another thing I recall mm -hmm. from La Sala. The black box. <laughs> The um, black box. Yes. Remember the, the black yes, box? Yes. And, and the black remote control that oh you could never God. find. So you had to go and yes, dial yes. it in for, for self. Um, so I That's just remember. So you yeah. just took me back. You, right. Like you took me back, back. The VHS was right, listen, part of the TV right in front everything. of the TV. You know, listen, I, I even had one of those like uh, right before the, the actual buttons. We had the dial where you had to like turn it. Ponía la corita para que, mm -hmm. you know, la antena. So you had Can the clear I be picture. honest? You know I still have that, right? Like no, in my house? It's serious. No, I still... The antenna? I'm not joking. I still have that. Listen. I still have I, that. I get it. I remember being in college and we didn't have... Uh, I, I lived with uh, my my sweetmates, my college girls. And at one point, we we couldn't afford cable, so we had la antena. And mm -hmm. I'm like, ¿Qué vamos a like what? I can't even believe I still have that. It's so weird. But it's necessary. It, it's, I if you don't have like, cable, you need an antenna, right? That's the can setup. I, can I be honest? Of course. I don't have cable. Right. We have memberships now. <laughs> I have Netflix. Yeah. I have YouTube. So when you want to see real TV, you need an antenna if you don't have cable. I know. Sis, wow. I know the struggle. You just broke I, down my entire life. <laughs> Listen. Okay, so that was in your yes. sala. Okay. You know, that was in my sala. And, you know, six-year-old Janet, I had just um, arrived to this country. So I was born in the Dominican Republic. What part? Um, Santo Domingo, Capitaleña. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents are from, from the north. Um, but I don't... You, Everyone from the capital is not really from the capital, mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a yeah. that, that's safe to say or politically correct to say. Right. Um, so I was born in the capital from an area called Villa Consuelo, Villa Con for short. Mm -hmm. And I came to this country at the age of six. So I was very timid as a child, very, very shy, uh, an introvert, Um when, did you have? I'm sorry. Did you have brothers and? I had a younger sister. Okay. Uh, we're one year apart. We're very close. We, we consider ourselves Irish twins. Okay. We're night and day, yin and yang, but still very much. This is my writer. Uh, okay. She's 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 my my heart. Um, and we're one year we're one year apart. So she was four and a half, turning five when we came to this country. I will never forget. It was a summer right before school started. So okay. late August, early September. Around that uh, around that time, and six year old Janet again was just very shy and introvert, but also very. I just felt like I was moved from my element mm -hmm. as an island kid growing up. You have you have your bar backyard, uh, la marquesina. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have space. Right. You you have it all. I. I had a guanabana tree in my backyard. Love um, that. I grew up with my grandmother making me jugo de cereza. So, you know, Johnny cake is for breakfast. Like, that, I grew up on that. Yes, um, yes. And very much had that freedom to just run and roam. And I remember asking my mom before we came to this country, Ayekalera, are there stairs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I picture like a spiral stair, like stairs like one of those with library yeah, case. Yeah, 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 like inside my house, yeah, like yeah. inside home. I yeah. I envision something bigger than where I grew up in, and I grew up in a in a one floor in a huge one floor house, uh, in 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 Villa Consuelo. 
So I was just like, if we're going to New York, it has to be better and bigger than this. Mm-hmm. It has to be. So you had this dream of like, so you already saw Times Square. Yeah, you saw the I lights. was just like, it's the you, lights. It's right. in la casa con escaleras. And I'm going to have my own room. And like, it has to be bigger than this because everyone around me as a kid will always say like, oh, tú te vas para Nueva York. Like, you're going to New York. Like, it was this grand thing. And I, I like, you're so lucky. You're so fortunate. And I'm not saying that I'm not, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I envisioned something so much greater than what I've already experienced. So coming in uh, to a, you know, a small two-bedroom apartment um, where I couldn't run, no, no, aquí no se puede brincar. You can't yeah, run around. You can't. What do you mean I can't run and I can't jump? Because people live downstairs. Like, how? And the stairs were the stairs to the building. It was the walk-up. Right, that's right. That, she wasn't wrong. She wasn't lying to me. Right. But that's not what I envisioned. So mm. here's a kid that's coming from running around, roaming around, knowing her neighbors, knowing mm-hmm. every single person within her vicinity, lo vecino eran tío, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, growing up in that and then coming into a place where you can run, you can jump, you can't talk to strangers. No hable, no mire. Si te preguntan algo, calladita. And it was this immediate kind of like suppression. Like, like a culture shock. Almost, yeah, a right? culture shock for sure, but also a supp- I felt a suppression of expression mm. in that moment of, I can't trust anyone, but back home, I was able to trust everyone. Mm. Like, everyone played a role in my upbringing back in the island, and that, to me, was very shocking. So because I had that immediate culture shock, to your point, I just became very, like, closed in. I was like, okay, I can't be this, so I have to be this. And that created a lot of anxiety for the six-year-old who now had to figure it out in this place where she doesn't know anyone, she can't trust anyone, she can't run, she can't jump as a six-year-old. So that does that does something to to children. Um, and so my heart does go out to, you know, to the younger generations, to the younger kids that are coming into a country that they're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't like a smooth kind of like transition. Mm-hmm. It was just de aquí para allá. Right. Very, very immediate. Um, so I was very, so I carried that with me uh, for a really long time. What do you feel like your sister had the same experience? Because you know sometimes sisters they have like a whole That's different. A, you know, homegirl was different. Um, yeah, my sister. The, se- the, the second, the second child is very much like she was still jumping. Right. right. She was still crawling up the walls. She was not as. I understood what my mom was telling me in that right. moment. Um, but I think the the second child is always very free. Like, all right, the first, ch- the, she got it, but I'm still going to climb this, these walls. But I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, I, I don't think I've stopped to, to ask that question. Um, but I love that about her. I love that she was able to be, and maybe it, it was the age difference. You know, a four and a half year old is very different from a six year old. Right, right. Maybe in that moment, she's just like, I'm just, I'm a kid and I'm a, I'm going to get in trouble regardless. Right. Um, where I'm right. just like, okay, mom, I understand. Yeah. You know. What are some of the conversations that you had with your mom during this time? Like, did you ever ask her, like, where are we going from here? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? What's our next move? You know, I will always ask. 
when are we going home? Uh, I would yeah. always ask, when are we going home? Because home for me was Santo Domingo. Like mm -hmm. that was home. All my cousins were there. Um, and to be fully transparent, my entire family from my maternal side is mm -hmm. still there. Okay. Um, my paternal, my father's side, they were already established in the mm -hmm. United States and they were already living their own lives and, and careers and profession and very much disconnected from the immigrant experience because they've already experienced it long ago. Mm. Whereas for my mom, she was the first from her family to 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 get up and leave. Right. Um, and and they she actually arrived first. So we were in the Dominican Republic, you know, during that time, the the immigration process and everything in between took some time. So she arrived first and there was a year and a half of transition where she was working towards ensuring that we were able to come after. So that's what I will tell her. When are we going mm. back home? And, and I know that that, sick? you know, from what I recall, it was very much like, mama, I, I think this is home. This is Estamos aquí. Home. Mm -hmm. And y, y, y valor contra temor is something mm -hmm. that she always tells me. And that's something that my grandmother um, will always tell us, valor contra temor, like just to, to have um, courage over fear. Mm -hmm. And... That literally, I think that transition or that immediate culture shock left a lasting impact in my life, and which is why I'm doing the work that I'm doing today. Well, that's I want you to take me through the journey because I, <laughs> I, I'm curious to know, what was school like for you? Like, what was that experience? I went to public school my entire life. I, I went to public school, um, and, and again, I was six years old, so... I that was first grade. So I I went to first grade school in the Bronx. Didn't know how to speak the language. I will never forget my mom made like a little like a little tag, first last name address and like emergency <laughs> contact. Like because if you're I, in the airplane, yeah, right, yeah, right. Because I didn't speak the language right, and I right, was I right. was going into a school where I just I la pobre, she's her her mentality was probably like she's going to get lost. But if they find her, it's okay. She has a little tag. Right. That's cute. That's cute. My mom never. didn't give me the tag. And I grew up like not speaking English. So when I went to school, there was no tag. There was I was like, she just threw me in the wolves. Yeah, like, it was just like just go. It, it was like thrown in the fire. And yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's our upbringing. It's just like the tirang and figure it out. Like uh, my father would have this saying, like, si no nada te ahoga, is sink or swim. Mm -hmm. It was that sink or swim mentality. And and so I went to public school my entire life. I went to public school um, for undergrad as well, um, and and I went to school in in our neighborhoods, in the neighborhoods that we grew up in, um, with kids from our neighborhoods. There was never, you know, I grew up in the system in the '90s, and that mm -hmm. was a really tough time for mm -hmm. public school. Mm -hmm. Rem I remember. Lack of resources that was that was prominent throughout the entire DOE public school system, where we were sharing textbooks. Yes, you I remember, remember sharing that. textbooks or wrapping up your textbook book covers. Book covers. Oh my god, book brown, covers, brown book covers. Yes, for the brown sure, book covers. The brown book covers because I That's couldn't afford so to buy 
like real book like covers. Like the new, new, new books. Exactly. So you get the used one. So you get the used one and you have to cover covers. them because you have to preserve them. Oh my and God. that was very much yes. my um my education. Wow. Yeah. Did you like school? You know, it was a great area for me. Okay. It was a great area. Um my report cards will always be she has potential, but she's very talkative. Oh, you had the talks too much on your report card? I remember seeing that word talkative. What does that even mean? <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Yes. And you know, there were subjects that I that I just truly loved and social studies was one of them. That was my favorite I, subject. That was my favorite, favorite yeah, that was subject. My favorite subject. Because I understood it. It was it was a subject that I just really? it just clicked for me. I understood, um, and then the other subjects. I I just believe that that transition, that immediate transition of coming in during a time where I'm transitioning from countries, like I'm going from one country to another country where things are very very different, mm -hmm. and then you're going to school tomorrow. Right. In a right. school where, like, you don't know the language, you don't know the environment. It's very different from, um, I I went to, I did go to private school in the Dominican Republic. That was okay. very, con uniforme, uniforms, right. Right. and, right. you know, very, very strict, very different. Um, and then here, it was just, like, wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to touch on social studies, right? Because yeah. that was also my favorite mm -hmm. subject. Mm -hmm. But... Not because I understood it, because I didn't understand it. Mm. So I wanted to know more. Yeah, I remember reading Anne Frank, yes. the diary of yeah. Anne Frank, yeah. and I was so angry. Like, I was literally, like, angry inside. But that's what I mean by understanding. Not, like, logically, but okay. these were lived experiences. Right, right. So as we were studying, like, Anne Frank or the Great Migration, mm -hmm. I under I can put myself in those spaces like oh this is a human experience mm -hmm. this is something that a community or you know a collective is experienced or an individual is experienced mm -hmm. and during this time this is what happened and so I was able to relate that I went through a transition like that in this right. moment in history right um and and so that's what I mean by understanding it not not just logically and educationally but in a way where it's like oh this is a lived experience like mm -hmm. folks live through this i am living through this and you know and you know what's crazy growing up my mom would always make us watch like the lifetime yeah i'm like mom please i'm um, telling you them old westerns on tnt i'm, I'm like, just mom. like so now as an adult i <laughs> i feel like i'm sharing all no, my personal please. stuff right now but what it's i um there's two things for me. I don't like scary movies mm -hmm. at all. I will not watch a scary movie. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't like to watch movies that are based on true stories. Because I get so angry. Yeah. I'm telling you, this takes me back to the diary of Anne Frank. Like, yeah. I was so angry. And I wonder for you um, if you had the same perspective in the sense of, I was so angry that I felt like, okay, how can how can we change this Absolutely. Now? Like, how do we... That How is, do we take this as a case study and then change it to that something is else? Exactly it. That is exactly it. Um, especially when we touch upon Africana studies mm -hmm. um, and 
the triangular trade and Afri the African slave trade and um, Jim Crow. I went to a high school in Harlem, Frederick Douglass Academy One, um, where the emphasis was on uh, African American history, black mm -hmm. history. Like that was our history. That was what we uh, we read um, when it came to English courses. It was all about black writers, and mm -hmm. so through that, like Toni Morrison, you know, reading the pains through through the writing. Um, and understanding the challenges of black and brown folks in America and the fight of of those challenges really, to your point, did something to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I am so grateful for that public school education because while we were learning it, we were living it. Right. right. I went to a predominantly black school and I understood the historical context but I was also experiencing it in real time. We had um, my graduating class, and I don't, I don't ever get tired. Whenever I have a platform like this, mm -hmm. one, I always amplify it. My graduating class um, in Frederick Douglass had the highest black male graduation class in the history of New York. Oh, wow. And that was never, I think there was one news article mm -hmm. and that wasn't something that was covered. And in that same class, we had multiple black students that got into Ivy League schools, full ride. Never read about that. Mm -hmm. But if you, if there was a murder in the polo grounds or a shootout, that was all over the news. Mm -hmm. And our teachers really drilled it into us that like this, this is, this is what America wants of us right. to share those narratives, but they will never amplify that we had a like nationally recognized debate team. Um, again, we had students that were getting into Harvard and Yale, Fulbright scholarships. Never happens in the history of New York. It, it was happening in this school on top of the three train on 149th and Adam Clay and Powell Boulevard, mm -hmm. right across the street from. NYCHA complexes, mm -hmm. those stories were not being amplified or covered. And it was that same anger and that same pain that really funneled or created this purpose within me to say, well, this is not right. And and mm -hmm. we see that we see that reflect in the borough of the Bronx. Our narrative, oh, you're from the Bronx? Nah, we're good. We ain't going over there. Mm, you from where? Oh nah. And it's that narrative. It, mm -hmm. it when you look at the people of the Bronx, when you look up when you look up the history of the borough of the Bronx, first off, we're the only borough out of the five boroughs that's connected to the mainland of the United States of America. Talk about it. I love stuff like Listen, this. Please let, talk let's get into because it. Because I live in the Bronx. Let's and, get in. It's, yes. it's honestly, I live in the Bronx mm -hmm. and I have a friend, I'm not even gonna say his name, I'm not gonna put him on blast like that, but He's always saying he he puts on Instagram like these memes of the Bronx and he'll put like rats and this and it bothers me so much. I hope much. it's not your NYC. Is it no. Your? Okay. But I blocked him. <laughs> He's my friend in real life yeah, and I blocked yeah. him. No, sometimes you have to block out the noise because that's the same narrative that people, it, there's sound bites and people pick up because it's just easier to consume. So again, mm. let's get into it. The borough of the Bronx, the only borough that's connected to the mainland, the birthplace of hip hop, the largest genre, music genre 
in the entire globe, I, I may say, right? Yes, we know that in the United States, but like everyone listens to to hip hop mm -hmm. across. It doesn't matter. It, it crosses all borders, culture, languages, etc. The birthplace of salsa, right? We have the largest parkland in the city of New York. We have like there are beautiful parks. Everyone talks about Central Park. Have you been to Van Cortland? Have you been to Cortona Park? You don't know a park until you've been in the weeds of real parks, mm -hmm. okay? Um, there is so much vibrancy and beauty. We're the 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 home of the Yankees, like mm -hmm. Babe Ruth, like you know, like there's there's so much culture, there's so much vibrancy, yet we are we we accomplish all of those things while still being the per poorest borough. Mm -hmm. in, in the nation, but it's that grit that creates beauty. And so my, again, growing up, experiencing what I experienced in high school and having teachers that were so dedicated to amplifying our talents and supporting us and making sure that black and brown students were heard and seen for who they truly are. Because when you give us resources, we know what to, again, That's we know right. how to make a dollar out of 15 cents mm -hmm. because it's been our upbringing. It's been our story. It's been ingrained in us, again, mm -hmm. to like, si no nada te ahoga, that mm -hmm. mentality of like just figuring it out from nothing. So when you give us something, not only are we going to make something out of it, but... It's gonna boom. It's gonna pop. That's right. And and that's the story of the Bronx. And so for me, it was being a part of that change. But also, it's not about changing the narrative because it's there is beauty there. Right. But no right. one's no one's talking about it. No one's telling it. No one's amplifying it. Well, why do you think that? Why do you think the Bronx gets such a bad rep? I think it's because folks are afraid of our potential. Hmm. I genuinely feel like that is what it is. You're afraid of our potential. We have so much in abundance. And if you give someone that's so talented, that's so gifted, too much, yeah. then what? Mm -hmm. You got you to be ready for that. Jeez. You got to be ready for that. And I, I love it. At every chance that I get to speak about, you know, without struggle, there's no progress, right? Mm -hmm. To quote the great Frederick Douglass, that's the... That was kind of like our mission statement in high school. Without struggle, there is no progress. And to be able to grow up in a borough that, again, no one gives credit to or highlights the, the challenges, you know that as a Latina, you grow up with challenges. Right. And we know how to see the beauty That's in right. that. That's right. Not everyone is as gifted. To be or as resilient mm -hmm. to say, wow, there's so much beauty in what I experienced and in, in that struggle and that challenge, because from that I was able to rise and create this. Whatever it is All that right. we're creating, I think um Latinas create magic. We are magic. Yes. And I also feel like beauty is what you make of it, right? Absolutely. So like where I live at, you know, it's the apartments are small, but I'm mm -hmm. never like my apartment is small. Right. To me, you walk inside my apartment, it's Hollywood in there. Yeah, listen. I promise you, it is Hollywood in my apartment because that's, like, I made it for me. I made it right. cozy. Right, So I think, you know, oftentimes, it's, it's almost like that saying when people say, oh, I just, I want to go on vacation. I'm like, well, what's going to change when you go on vacation? Is something going to change or you're going to come back, you're going to be the same person? Like, mindset. why do you feel like you need to escape 
when actually you need to heal, like you need to deal with what's mm -hmm. going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like when people say, well, I want to just escape the Bronx. I'm like, well, what do you escape? Like, there's so many nice places in the Bronx. Choco Bar. I don't know if you've been yeah. to Choco Bar. Of course I've been to Choco Bar. I love Bar. Choco Bar. Like, that's that my, also Carlos. That's my breakfast spot. Yes. Like, I love Choco Bar. And I tell people all the time, like, come to this part. Like, you would not even believe how nice it is over here. And there are, there are gems like that throughout. Throughout. Brooklyn throughout. was like that. All of a sudden, Brooklyn is it. Why? Because of folks water their plants. That's right. I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I, I don't know if you recall, but when we were growing up on the black box, um, the commercial yeah. A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, it was like a tree hey. grows in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. My soul grows. Mm -hmm. And it was so it was so glamorized. Mm -hmm. It was just like, well, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. Right. Right. Right? Like right. It, but you never hear that about the Bronx. And I think we have an assignment to be able to highlight the beauty of our borough because there's so much, one, there's so much history. So like the the foundation is already there. Right. And two, there's so many like amazing people that come from the Bronx. Mm -hmm. So many Can you talented. please point out a few people that come, I mean, that come from, from our borough, please. I will say you right here. Thank you. Us right here and having this conversation. There's so many folks that aren't celebrities that are amazing people doing doing amazing things on a grassroots level, on a local level that, mm -hmm. that don't get the recognition that they deserve. But I, the mothers that come from the Bronx, the kids that grow up from the Bronx, again, I, I find that there's so much resiliency. You put us anywhere and we'll make it happen. That's right. We'll, we will make it happen because we know what it is to be without mm -hmm. or to not have. And so I'm always encouraging, you know, all of my friends, no shade to my friends that are going to hear this <laughs> later on, but okay. their goal was always to like, get out, get, get out. out of the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Like, nah, I got, I got to get out. And I'm always just like, nah, like I want to say my husband and I, you know, we are, we are here and we want to raise our kids in the Bronx. There's, I don't see myself. I tried it. I tried moving out and, and I was just like. I can't get a butter roll here. I can't get a cafecito yes. on my way to work. I could still get my cafecito for one dollar in the Bronx. You know what I mean? A butter roll and a cafecito, and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. You're on the road, and you know, for for some time, I, I I moved to Westchester. No shade to Westchester County, but I I couldn't get that. Right. And I right. just felt very much out of place. And to your point, there's some so many beautiful areas. The Bronx, in the Bronx Zoo. the Bronx Zoo, the we botanical, have the botanical like, gardens. We have anchor institutions. Again, Van Cortlandt Park is a beautiful park. Crotona Park is a beautiful park. If you've been to Riverdale, like it's it's beautiful up there as well. Kingsbridge, we we have the Kingsbridge Armory that I don't get tired. It's it's one of my mm -hmm. my projects in my official capacity, but that's one that's the largest armory in the in the United States and arguably in the world, mm. the largest armory, and it lives in the Bronx. It's in the Bronx. It's a beautiful castle. If you haven't been around, it's it's open for, for tours and it's currently under redevelopment um, or going through that process of redevelopment. And, and it's here, mm -hmm. it's in our borough, it's in our backyard. And again, I, I, I don't get 
you love Choco Bar. Yes. I love Rosa's. Rosa's I is love one of Rosa's. my favorites. Um, I'm there turning up for listen, brunch. Man. And and I'll and I'll <laughs> share with you my favorite place in the entire borough is the Hunts Point Flower Market. I wake up really, really yes. early on a weekend and, and I go to the Hunts Point Flower Market and it's owned by a, a Dominican couple that they've been here for years mm -hmm. and they're not looking to move and they're there and you go in and you find your in-season flowers and it's just so beautiful. Again, on the weekends, I get my bread from Little Italy, Arthur yes, Ave, yes. and I and I go to Madonia and I get my my olive bread and I go to Casa de Mozzarella and I get my fresh mozzarella and my prosciutto. Like it's it's on and popping in the Bronx, yes. and I just feel bad for whoever's not from the Bronx. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> so, in talking about history, you are a part of history. As the first Dominican deputy, of, as the Bronx Borough president, how does that feel? You know, um, I had no idea that it was going to, that I was making history in this way or that mm -hmm. it was going to catch the attention that it did um, during my appointment. The borough president was very intentional in, you know, every borough president has a deputy borough president, just mm -hmm. like a president has a vice president. Right. Um, and her appointment was very much, I need to appoint someone that's reflective of our borough. Right. The majority of Latinos in the Bronx are of Dominican descent. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a growing population. We're very close to, we're over 50% at this point. We have more Dominicans here than in the island, I think. Right. I think that's where we are in terms of the, the latest data. Mm -hmm. And so she was very clear that she wanted someone in, she wanted to appoint someone in that position that was of Dominican descent, again, uh, reflective of the the growing population, the growing Latino population in the borough. And when she appointed me, I was just like, okay, this makes sense. It absolutely, like, these positions, these leadership positions, these government positions should have people that are from the community. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I was appointed, I was at, at the time in terms of history, the youngest, the first Dominican um, to be appointed deputy borough president in the Bronx um, and the first immigrant. Wow. So you were a lot of first. So a lot right. of, and I was just like, oh, wait, hold. I wasn't thinking about fact-checking those things. It right. was just more like, it, it makes sense. You're, you're, you're onto something, borough president. Let's, let's have a conversation. And then the appointment happened. And then everyone that was fact-checking realized that I, I was um, the first in, in all of these areas. And to be honest with you, how did it feel? Um, I, I was in a state of shock for most of it. I, I would imagine. I was just like, whoa, whoa. Oh, right. Uh, because I was very much, I've been in government for a really long time, but very much behind the scenes mm -hmm. because my, my mission has always been driven by community. Like, right. I just want to help community. Um, my mom, after she separ after she went through a separation from my father, was a single mother navigating the court system, navigating public service uh, services on her own. Um, and I was just like, 
right. the one that was translating everything. I was mm -hmm. just that, you know, as mm -hmm. a kid, that's that's what you do. Yeah. You're you're the the in-house interpreter. <laughs> Um, yes. that gets paid nothing, um, <laughs> but you have to yeah. just, leme esto, yes. leme esta uh -huh. carta. Um, so I was, I was very much about equity and ensuring that things and operations and government were culturally competent, that we, that we saw ourselves in the services that were being rendered to us, et cetera. So I was, I, my entire career has been very much behind the scenes. So when it was so I knew that it was going to be a public role, but because of the many firsts, it just became even more pronounced right, and, right. And, and, and more very much like amplified. Um, Did you feel like the pressure is Absolutely, on? absolutely. Like, you know, as Latinas, we often find ourselves as the only ones in the room, either the only or the few in the room. And so you feel like you're carrying an entire community right. on your back when you're walking in. Mm -hmm. And at first, I used to allow that to debilitate me. But now I'm like, okay, this is an opportunity. Let me, yes, I am spicy and, and this and that, but I'm going to get this done because that's just who we are. We get mm -hmm. things done. Um, and so, yes, the, the, it, the immediate feeling was just like, whoa pressure, right. ugh, anxiety, like, oh, I just, I can't get this wrong. Absolutely. And there, I'm not saying that that feeling has completely disappeared. It's very much there. But that same pressure and that same feeling serves as a reminder of my purpose right? and, and what I have to do and what I have to accomplish. Because yes, that is very real. But instead of debilitating me, I make sure that I that I represent us mm -hmm. accordingly. What do you feel is your purpose? What is your why? My why is to represent and be a, be a voice for those that were have been historically marginalized. Mm -hmm. You know, for for a really long time, even in my career, by mentors, by folks that I looked up to, that I seek guidance from, it was very much like, tranquila, like don't make mm -hmm. too much noise. Just if you sit there, you sit and you, you know, you nod and and you're respectful and and I'm all those things. I'm 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 very respectful when when you know when we're having when I'm when I'm in the room or in in conferences, etc. But I'm very much gonna call it out, right? I'm very much gonna say, yeah, this is not right or this doesn't make sense. And who is this gonna serve? Who is this gonna um, benefit. So that's that's a great point, mm -hmm. right? Growing up, asking questions was not a thing for Ooh, us, right? Yes, like absolutely. me asking my mom, pero por no. qué? No pre like, mira, muchacha, pero, no pregunte. Yeah, exactly. Mira, no hable mucho, quédate sentada tranquilita. And I had to really undo that mentality because it's ingrained in us. Don't ask too many questions. Right. Quédate tranquilita, tranquila te más bonita, exactly. right? Like that that's the what they will say. No pregunte mucho. Eh, hey, no pregunte tanto. And I I I didn't ask questions in like as I was evolving in my career. I wasn't asking questions. So I was like doing double the work behind the scenes, right. googling, taking classes, and and I'm not saying that that didn't prepare me for 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 this moment, but I 
I worked three times as hard for something that I could have just been like, I have a question. I don't understand this. Right. Can you right. break it down to me? Because the people that I'm going to serve are also not going to understand this. That's right. So if I don't understand it, how am I equipped to serve accordingly? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so my why is to serve accordingly and to serve the communities that watched me grow. Mm -hmm. And so if I am unable to do that through my work, then I'm not fulfilling my why. Where where did you first see this model in terms of like politics in your upbringing? Because I always feel like when you are something, when yeah, you have a certain yeah. career, you may have seen it. Maybe it was a family member, an aunt. It was the lack. It was the lack. Okay. It was very much la mujer no tan en, en política. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a conversation that as a woman, I was encouraged to have. As a girl, I was encouraged to have. Like, you know, you grow up with uncles, your father, your friends, um, and they're talking politics. Mm -hmm. And we're in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. We're not a part of those conversations. And I was like, although I was very reserved and, and an introvert, I was also very much like, I will challenge things. Right. And I was very much, I want to be a part of those conversations, but why not? Why can't I sit there and listen right. to those right. conversations? And also growing up, I knew that I wanted to serve community from a, a very early age, from translating my mom's mail and the applications and everything in between and seeing her so alone and 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 hope and feeling and that that literal scene of hopelessness, I knew that I wanted to help women like her. Right. So I thought that the only way to advocate for my community was by becoming a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanna, you know, that's I remember reading the Thurgood Marshall story mm -hmm. in elementary school and and our teacher, the assignment was to play out, and I was Thurgood Marshall. I was tasked as being Thurgood Marshall, and I was defending a classmate. Mm -hmm. And that's when, like, that came in. I was like, oh, this is the thing that I can do to right. do that thing that I have a feeling of doing. Right, right. Um, and so I thought that that's exactly what, um, what I wanted to do. And then later on, I defined that I, I was able to advocate for those same communities in a different way without becoming a lawyer. I thought mm -hmm. that that was the only way to advocate. And in government, I I was involved in different roles where I was just like, oh, this is this is serving my why. Right. Or this is serving the the communities that I that I felt were unseen or unheard for a really long time. You know, on the show we often talk about stigmas. Um, and how to break them. Um, I wonder what are some of the stigmas regarding politics that you feel that we have that maybe we're just completely wrong about? Yeah, and and really quickly, just to circle back, because I didn't see women in those spaces, mm -hmm. I was constantly searching, constantly searching. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was just like, pero que no veo. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't see. I think, you know, when I stepped into city government, I think I, I, I can count in my hands how many city council members were women and mm -hmm. how many of them were Latina. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And that to me was just like, okay, it just feels so far off. And I'm already in my 20s. And it's now that I'm seeing a reflection of what I was hoping to see early Mm -hmm. on. And I think the stigma with politics is that, and I don't want to, it's not that women don't belong, but you just don't see the right representation of us in these spaces. So quick example, 52% of the city's population uh, is made out of, up of women or folks that identify as women, mm-hmm. right? And then during that time in the city council, only 11 of the members out of 54 members were women. Wow. That's not a representation mm-hmm. of the landscape of the city of New York. Right, right. 52% and out of 54 members, only the 11. Math it, it, it just ain't mathing. <laughs> yeah, and and the math ain't mathing. And then that just, and, and I understood early on that that's the legislative body. That's the body that creates laws. Mm-hmm. So if, if the men, majority of them are creating the laws, then like, how does that impact me? directly right right right? and that it was in that moment that something like clicked i'm like we don't have representation there you have to be very careful with this body that's making laws right because all of the laws that they create come from obviously the education uh influences but also your upbringing and what you identify with and who you are Mm -hmm. and like what your priorities are period it, it, it directly influence how you legislate and how right. you write laws, right? Yes, the need, but sometimes it's how you relate to it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just like, you have, we have to be very careful with this. Not only is there a lack of female representation, but there's also a lack of Latino representation in this mm-hmm. body that has so much power. Right. And that's when I started campaign like volunteering and campaigning for women that found the courage to run for office and said no mas ya ataki mm-hmm. um and and I started volunteering for those campaigns and I was like girl if there's one thing I know how to do is how to talk to tia and abuela you know because right. I've been translating yeah, all my life right? I've been translating all my life and 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 we've been right. the beautiful gift of of us is that we're we're taking in translating, we're taking complex, really difficult items to translate and simplifying it for our mothers. Right, right. That is a gift. That's a skill that no, I don't, there's, it doesn't compare. Education cannot teach you that. Like mm-hmm. I, I can translate that letter word for word, line, line for line, bar for bar. Right. And my mom will still be like, Pero que lo que dice. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, right. what does it say? And right. I have to, I have to like not only translate it, but make sense of it and then, you know, summarize it in a way that she understands it. And that's a that's a beautiful skill set to have. At first you're just like, Pero mommy. And now I'm just like, thank you, Ma. Thank you so much for in in uh a state of translation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also want to be respectful of your time because um, I know the time is ticking for us. But um, how do you translate the power of voting and what that means to someone 
who doesn't understand. I love and that I'm going to say even myself, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you think of voting, you're only thinking president, yep. vice president. I love that's this it. question. So how, break this down for me. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you so much because I've dedicated, even before having that awakening of like the city council and I'm like, oh my God, this is so dangerous. But even prior to that, um, I will walk my mom through before I was a- eligible to vote, I will walk her, like we will get the Vote NYC pamphlets right, at right. home mm-hmm. and I will walk her through the candidates. And I'm like, mira, mami, esto, porque le de esto, y ella, et cetera. What we need to consider, and I I, I get it, we're, we're tired, there's voting fatigue. That's very real yeah, because there's an election like every other half a year, you're like, but didn't I just vote? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is such a strong focus on the presidential race, and I get it. That's, you know, that's the the chief of the land, and it's important that we choose um, who they are. But there are legislative bodies mm-hmm. that are actually the ones creating the laws, that the president signs off on them and implements them. So here on a super um, hyper-local level, you have the city council Mm-hmm. that's legislating, that's writing the laws, right. that goes on to the mayor and he signs it off. So he's not he's not legislating. He's not writing the laws. Right. So he's the one that's implementing it and signing it off and making sure that the agencies are right. enforcing, he's enforcing it. He's yeah. the enforcer. Mm-hmm. But who's making the laws? The lines for the city council races are not the lines that we see for the mayoral race. And and now they're making it so much simpler where it's just like, it's a one and done, which is fine, but there's still other races sent on, on a state le- level. You have the Senate and the Assembly. Those are the folks that are legislating for statewide laws Okay, that the governor then signs off on. Okay. Right? Okay. So she's the enforcer for mm-hmm. the state. Mm-hmm. The mayor's the enforcer for the city. Mm-hmm. Right? But the legislative bodies, Assembly and Senate, they're up for re-election every two years. And you have people in those seats that have been there mm-hmm. for as long as I've been born and alive. Mm-hmm. Like, for as long mm-hmm. as I've been alive. Mm-hmm. You have people that are sitting there for over 30 years. Wow. And so people say, pero la cosa no cambian, things aren't changing. Yeah, because you haven't showed up to that election um, cycle where this person has been there for 30 years and they're not advocating for the resources that we need to come to our district. They've been there for 30 years. No one's looking at them because everyone's so focused on the governor's race, the mayor's race, and the presidential race. They are not legislators. So the whole quote where people say votes matter, that's a real thing then because it's a real obviously thing. if it's going like mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. from the, you know, down the line of like we are the people that essentially will change Absolutely. what's happening. So I feel like now I'm going to just say this. You may not want to no, say it. Listen. I'm going to say this. Um we have to be the change that we, we want to see. We have to be the so change. So if there's something that you're frustrated about, it's like, look at yourself. And it, so- it sounds so cliche. And people are just like, yeah, yeah, Janet, whatever. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the friend that you don't want to invite to, to your get-together because I'm going to call it like it is. Right, right, right. And they're like, here comes Janet talking about politics. Right. And I'm like, no, senora, but listen. But 
part of it is there's a reason why our communities are not educated on civics. Mm-hmm. Understand that. There's right. a reason why everyone wants you to focus on the presidential, the governor, and the mayoral race. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for right. that. There's a reason why, you know, I, I'll use Obama as a prime example. Obama. Folks were like, he was our first black president. He was there for eight years. Nothing happened. The House was Republican during his time. Mm-hmm. His hands were tied. Right. And he did the best that he could with the laws that were presented in front of him. And so I think that when we're woke, it's not about are you a Democrat or a Republican? It's not a, it's not a, that it's not about that. Right. Being woke is understanding who your legislative bodies are and what laws are they passing that affect your business. If you're a small business owner, know that there's a a committee on small businesses where a bunch of people are creating legislation that are passing that could be detrimental to your business. So you got to you got to look out for that. Mm -hmm. If if you're you know, as a mother or a father, there there are certain family leaves and there are committees that create those laws. And so. It affects every element of our being as as residents of the city of New York. And so we have to pay attention to the legislative bodies. And as as tiring as it may feel, it's important to show up every two years to vote for your Senate and your assembly member because there are folks that have been there for 15 plus years and things haven't changed because your representative hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. How do we change the conversations in our home? Because again, growing up for me, I we never had these conversations and that's why I've never been well-versed in this particular mm-hmm. topic. So how do we bring this back to our homes and begin to have these conversations with our families? I think it starts with, with just having it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always been the type to just be curious and I will bring, again, when the the Vote NYC pamphlet will come in, I will sit down and just like review it. But I encourage women to start having the conversation because there's so much that affects us directly um, that you when you trace it back you're like but who's writing this that affects me from my health insurance to birth control right. um uh to to access who's controlling that when and when you go back you're like Eperate. Mm-hmm. someone that can relate to what i'm going through right. um and and i encourage one i encourage women to have the conversation because i think historically we we've never been encouraged to be a part it no, esos, esos son conversaciones de hombres. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Vamos a sentarnos y vamos a hablar. That's right. Let's have a conversation and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's have a conversation. And I remember even in my household when Hillary was running for office, my mom and my grandma, no, yo no voy a votar por esa mujer, yo voy a votar por... And I'm like, ¿y por qué no? Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why? Because we've it's been ingrained in us right. that women are not good leaders. Let me tell you, we are the best leaders. Why? Because we know it all. Mm-hmm. But we also know how to how to solve every single problem. This is when the point. men can find their socks, who they who they turn to? <laughs> right. You know, I'm I'm married and my my husband is constantly like, "Where's this?" And I'm like, "I got you." You know. Right. Um. And and that's not to throw my my brothers under the bus because I I'm the first one to say that I am where I am because of the support that my husband has brought to me. 
but I'm not afraid to bring those conversations to the party. That's right. And again, it's not about Republican or Democrat. And it goes back to what you said earlier, shying away from being politically correct. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can get it wrong. Right. I, my biggest lessons have been from getting it wrong mm -hmm. or misrepresenting something or not understanding something and then someone is just like, no, no, it's not like that. It doesn't function this way. And I'm like, okay. And that encourages me to, right. to look up the facts. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, ask me now. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I wonder um, what, what do you feel needs to change? I'm sure there's a lot of changes that mm -hmm. still need to happen. Mm -hmm. But specifically in the Bronx, what do you want to see change, like immediate change? You know, immediate change... It, 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 it's, I'm not going to say that it's a fairy tale because it's not. It, it, it very much can be accomplished. But what I do want to see change is the, the ecosystem of economic development within our borough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a, a ton of healthcare disparities, um, housing disparities. Uh, you name it, we have it environmental justice disparities but i i believe that if we have a sound and strong economic like an economic an ecosystem where our commercial corridors are thriving our small businesses are thriving i feel like that can be i'm not going to say the end will be all but a resolve to the challenges that we have and so I want to see more of our small businesses be supported, be amplified. You know, when you go to, to Manhattan, Brooklyn or Queens, you see coffee shops all over, like nice coffee mm -hmm. shops. I remember growing up and when the library will, clo will close, I would look for a coffee shop to stay because I didn't mm -hmm. want to go home. It wasn't like a viable yeah. environment for me to study in. And I wish I had a coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. And And we as residents of, of our borough should be supporting like the up and coming coffee shops so that we can have these viable, beautiful small businesses Amazing. to serve as a resource, as safe spaces for for our borough. What, what's next? Like what's coming up next for the Bronx? Like what can we look forward to? What should we look out for? Yes. Right? You know, I mentioned the Kingsbridge Armory the largest armory in in the nation, arguably the world, is going on the redevelopment. That's mm -hmm. gonna be huge for Kingsbridge Heights. Mm -hmm. That's gonna that's gonna completely transform, I think, our borough because of its magnitude, of how much space it takes up, right. but also how beautiful it is. And the community has been so involved in the process of reimagining what what's possible mm -hmm. through through this armory and so that's coming up and I'm so excited it's that's something that dope. yes mm -hmm. it's something that our office has been so intentionally involved with and I can't wait because I grew up looking at the armory and just assuming that something was happening and when you when you see it now it's just an empty shell and it's 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 sad to see that such a gem has been underutilized for so long. So that's that's something that I'm really really excited about. The Bronx is booming. So many new businesses are opening up. Again, so many like amazing folks that are just courageously doing it. Like even with you being from the Bronx, having this platform, you're seeing a lot of that, and then you're seeing a community that's encouraging one another. Mm -hmm. So you don't feel alone in this idea, in this, you know, um, in this assignment. 
you see folks like, we're in the struggle, but we're in it together. And That's what can right. I do to amplify your business? What can you do to, you know, support me? And you're seeing that that relationship kind of like grow and 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 grow in fellowship. And it's been so beautiful to see and experience. Um, so I just just watch out. Yes. Watch out. There's there's no more no more space for anyone though. <laughs> the Bronx don't come over here. No, I'm kidding. We're gonna um. cut that part <laughs> out. We'll edit it out. Um, <laughs> last question before we go into the rapid fire questions mm -hmm. is what will you tell four-year-old, five-year-old, maybe even six-year-old Janet? That's a beautiful question. Um, to just keep doing everything from the heart. To stay true to yourself. Stay the course. Things are going to be difficult. Yes. And there are going to be days where you're just like, no puedo, but you can and you will. And as long as you do everything from the heart with love, everything else will fall into place. So beautiful. You ready for my rapid fire? We ready. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Yo tengo viva poru in my bag. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. Yo, my boyfriend always cries because I put that on every night. He's like, every night. I'm like, my husband every night. hates it. He's like, don't kiss me. And I'm like, come on. And I he's feel like, like that's the only way I can sleep. It's the only way. Aquí, yes. aquí, aquí. I put it here. Every, yep. I can, it's in my bag right now. It's it's a true story. If you ever did like a what's in my purse. Oh. Yeah. And I have all versions of Iwaporu. Like, really? I have the inhaler, I have the lotion, I have yeah. the lavender scent, I have the big bottle, little bottle, the the bomb bottle, everything. I have it all. I wow. take pride in my fixed vapor rub collection. I wonder who invented that. Do we know? I feel like I need to find it has, out. It has to be a Dominican woman in <laughs> Rolos. It has to you are be. absolutely right. So. Um, what's your favorite Spanish food? I arroz con pollo, obligado con guandule on the side, yes. y aguacate. Okay. And if you have maduro, that's a plus. Sweet, salty, everything. Maduro, everything. tostones. Which maduro, one? Maduro, maduro for maduro. sure. Yeah. Okay. With that plate. Okay. With that plate. Tostones okay. with salami, that's separate, but. Okay. All right. Um, what does it mean to you to be a Latina? Luchadora. That's mm. immediate. It's, it's to be in the fight and to never give up. So for me, una luchadora. Okay. Um, what is this chapter of your life called? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, resilience. I will say resilience. That's a good one. Resilience. Um, wait, 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 wait. What's one thing you need in the morning? Café. Bustelo. Obligado. Yes. Of course. Of course. There's no way I can get my day. There's no way I can serve in this capacity <laughs> without Bustelo. There's no way. Yes. And whoever tells you that they do it, they're lying. They're I'm lying. sorry. They're, they're lying. lying. Um, if you could have the last supper with three Latinas, oh dead my. or alive, who would it be? Oh, my God. This is so good. Honorable Sotomayor, of course, because I just need to know. I just need to know how she did it. Supreme Court Justice. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God, Celia Cruz. Of course. Yes. Because, like, como una cubana, afro-latina, 
nationally and like globally recognized that that's an art. Yeah. And what she had to go through to deal with colorism, but still very much be herself in a time where that wasn't acceptable, when it wasn't trendy. Mm -hmm. Like I, there, there's so much learning in in her essence and who she is. Yeah. You got one more. One more, one more. One this more. is so That's hard because there's though. there's so many. There's so many. There's so many. There's so many. Um Oh my gosh. And I was also say La India because again, oh like I'm going to that. <laughs> no, I, I already I already bought my concert tickets. Yeah. Like two months ago. Yeah. Because again, they're in when you create art like that, the experience that led you to that creation, I just need to I, I need to be a part of of her learnings. And she still looks like La India from the 90s. Mm -hmm. How? How sway? And she moves. And she like crazy. and her vocals consistent. Yes. It's just yes. again, that's such a hard question because there's just so there's so many of us in spaces mm -hmm. that again are were not historically made for us where we broke so many barriers still made it and and became the best at it and mm -hmm. so shout out to my latinas yes. for real and wait last one finish this sentence uh oh growing up latina is Growing up Latina is amazing. Um, growing up Latina is unique. Growing up Latina is amazing. Growing up Latina is a celebration. Um, and and it's, it is filled with so much at once. Sadness, happiness, fear, courage. It's it's so much, but it's so amazing because I there's nothing you can put in front of me that I can't figure out. I love that about you, by the way. Like <laughs> this entire interview, like I feel like the message is like keep going. Just you know, keep going. Like no matter, just... even with La India and just everything that you're speaking of is like is pain into beauty. Yes. You know? So pain I pain into that. purpose. Pain, pain into, into purpose, purpose because yeah. it's it's what we know and you know, I'm not trying to glamorize it, but I'm trying to encourage it. Like, encourage that your adversities are your superpowers. Those are the skill sets that you've sharpened that allow you to be. And so it's not about glamorizing it. It's about acknowledging it and saying, because I did that, I can also do this. Right. So allowing yourself to live to your full potential. Right. Um, and that's what I hope to to do through this role is not just... Yes, my my nine to five and the political side of it, but for me, I just hope to be who I wanted to see when I was growing up. Damn, that was good. <laughs> I was <laughs> Deputy Borough President of the Bronx, thank Janet Beguero. So thank you much. so much. Thank you for coming. Like this is a true honor. Thank you. So thank you for thank having you. Me. We made it happen. Yes, we made it happen. <laughs> thank you. Uh, let everybody know where they could follow you at jpegnyc on Instagram. I do have a Twitter, but I just, I can't. No. I can't get into it. I can't get into Twitter. I tried when you know I was in undergrad and it was popping, but now I'm just like, e que no puedo. <laughs> but I am on, uh, on Instagram and 
I'll try to be more involved and more engaged with with my social media because I I definitely want I want everyone to feel like a part of this this journey and feel seen and represented and if there's something that you want to see that we're not doing definitely DM me um if if you're looking for volunteer opportunities there are we have so much work to do in the Bronx and everyone should be a part of that Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yay! <laughs> you did it.